for all those up Swindon fans. But you're not there yet. Hello and welcome to episode 81 of Together, a Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. Uh, football is back, starting on Wednesday, which is tomorrow, if you listen to this on the day it comes out. Um, and we begin our season back up at 3 o'clock UK time on Saturday. Arsenal at home, supposedly, with no fans. Um, so we should see how it goes. Uh, don't want to add too much to this because this is a two-hour marathon interview. This is an exclusive Nobody from the Albion or associated with the Albion has had a conversation with Gus Poet since he left. This is confirmed on the show. Um, and this was a blockbuster interview, my friends. Um, we covered just about everything uh, that was on the Twitter feed um, in terms of questions asked. So strap in, sit down um, and just take a moment to listen to somebody else's uh, side of, of a story that has been, you know, enveloped in silence for almost 10 years. Uh, so enjoy, and I'll see you all next time uh, after the Arsenal game. Hey, Gus. Gus. How are you? Good, how are you? Good, how are you? Not too bad, thanks. Thank Good. you so much for joining us. No, it was time. Mamma mia, I don't know why it's running Brighton with me. It looks we, like we, uh, everything is bad. I know. We were just talking about um, Josh and I. Were, sorry, I'm Robin. I was mentioning you yesterday. Josh, yeah. my host. Um, we were just saying we we don't think you've ever really talked about your time at Brighton anywhere. Well, I, I think I don't know you guys because I unfortunately uh, I haven't been following you uh, enough. Uh, but I, I think it's been managed by the club. Yeah, I think the the, the closer. Um, fans, groups and fans, they've been really, you know. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. We sorry. are slightly different. <laughs> no, listen, I, I think, I think it's, it's naivety as well because I, I, I don't like to blame them. You know, if they want to have access to the club, yeah. if they want to be able to be present, if they want to have an opinion, probably the club will say, okay, but blah, 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 rules. Now, uh, is it fair for the supporters? Probably no. Or at least you have another platform. I don't know if it's you. Yeah, well, <laughs> see, it's going to be now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. And on top of that, the only thing I got from Brighton, if I had to explain 100% of opinions, uh, 99, they're going to be good. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the why, why? Why they are so worried they're going to say something that, first, I cannot say because of legal reasons or something that is going to be against them. Uh, there, is, there is practically no. Now, they are afraid, and that shows that there is something that they would prefer me not to say, 
Well, <laughs> we might get on to that. But I mean, yeah, from our point of view, we are we're not affiliated with the club. We mm-hmm. are in the game to just basically give fans a chance to hear from people like yourself. We had Bruno on recently. Um, yeah, I was. I started uh, listening a little bit today. The one I I heard the the holy was the Alan, Alan Navarro. Alan Navarro. Yes. Alan yeah. yeah. And interesting. He actually. Yeah, he actually left us a night. message. Yeah, yeah, he left us a message letting you. Uh, he asked us to tell you you were the best manager he ever worked <laughs> under. I heard. I heard of that. He's, uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, I, I, I done something that I never done before, and I can tell you in the in the in the recording after, or if you're recording now. Um, in, in my last offer as a job, okay, and I can say which one is because it's been public, which it was Leganes in Spain. Um, one of the things I told the club uh, during the interview was, uh, why, why you don't call the players? Call the players. Pick a player from my teams, anywhere, any player, and call them and ask them about me. If you really need a coach that works with the players, depending on what you need, no? And I'm not going to tell you the names, but uh, funny enough, the day after, that was a night uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday around midday, I received like five or six texts during the morning from ex-players and even a couple of ex-sport directors telling me, oh, you're close to Leganes. I got a phone call from or a text. Or, <laughs> so they did that, okay? Uh, and they offered me the job, which is really, you know... Something to be proud, if you can say, because you know, yeah. with the people that you work that they recommend you is, uh, you know, because I'm very honest. Eh? When they call me, for example, and they ask me about one of my ex players, I tell them, okay, let's talk about football, this, 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 this. Let's talk about the person, da, 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 da. Let's talk about relation, blah, blah, blah. Let's talk about his family, blah, blah, blah. So, so the, the person who is calling me that he trusts my opinion, have the whole picture. No. Oh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah, take him and just to give a favor. No, I don't do that. I'm honest. So I try to be as fair as possible. Probably when you like someone, naturally, it looks like you're pushing a little bit more for him, but that is human beings. No, it's not like trying to be nice, like a, a throw a coin and say, oh, today I'm nice. <laughs> today I'm, <laughs> na- I'm nasty. No, I'm not. Yeah, I'm sense. just honest. But go on. You asked yeah. me, what do you like? Yeah, no, I was going to say, so just give a quick intro. Okay. Yeah, so so we, so we I mean, you've already listened to one of the shows, so thank you for that. Uh, we've, we've really just, we're a fan podcast. We're not affiliated with the club. I've definitely spoke to the club and, you know, got some great interviews from Bruno and Andrew Crofts uh, and a couple of other players and stuff. But really, it's for the fans. And I want to go and get things that fans have wanted. And you... Excellent as someone that nobody has spoken to. And I was, I was going to ask, is there like a legal reason or no. something that nobody has been in touch? Because I, I, when we reached out, we thought we were shooting for the stars. Like we thought there was no chance you were going to come on because we haven't seen mm-hmm. anything from you and Brighton together for years. And so when we reached out, we thought, well, we may as well just try, see what happens. And here you are for probably the first time to talk about the Albion and your time there. So well, it, first, was, it was first, pretty wild. Yeah. First, I would like to tell you that um, obviously I'm not the type of person who I will try to 
get in contact with people for them to interview me. My, my, no, my way of understanding my position is wait. If they want to know or if they can, they will contact me. And if they don't, it's for a reason. So, um, do I think it's been a little bit of a, um, a nervous situation, like a doubt from some people with my past at Brighton? It looks like, I cannot confirm it, but it's my opinion because I've been in a podcast with Sunderland. I've been in contact with newspapers from Sunderland. They call me from Greece and they invite me to television. They call me from France weekly. Uh, I, I'm working for a TV channel, well, La Liga, for the rest of the world. So I'm still in, in things with Betis. The only place where I haven't been contacted by the local newspaper or by the official club or I've been invited to a game. I mean, I've been at Tottenham. I've been at uh, Chelsea. I, you know, I've been, I've been... It looks like there is something unfortunately from the other side and I don't understand why. Because no, the weird thing is, is what Josh and I said. It's almost it, it's almost like you've been airbrushed out of history. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's yeah. I don't know, and, 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 and I only come back uh, when you get in contact with people who work with me, which is the opposite. No, it should be yeah, like exactly. <laughs> because of everybody working with you, we need to call this guy. But anyway, anyway, it's uh, we're the lucky ones because we we yes, get you thank first. You. <laughs> Thank you. Josh, do you want to do the intro to the episode and then we can uh, we can crack on? Yeah, I mean, I think that we've got enough of an intro, okay. honestly. I think we can just crack on. <laughs> okay, go on. Um, yeah, so we were, the first question we're going to ask is a kind of a, a pre-Brighton yeah. question, which is you've now managed in England, Greece, Spain, China, France. That, I think that's the full list. Yeah. You've done quite a tour of the world. <laughs> if you were to get a call tomorrow to manage another club, is there a country that you would like to go to to try your luck in as a manager? Or do you just do you wait for the opportunity to arrive? Um, if you ask me this question a year ago, I would say to you first and most England. My idea was to try to come back to England. Uh, unfortunately, because it didn't happen, uh, and I got a staff with me, I, I need to be open or I, I'm more open to any place, you know, worldwide, because that's what I became. I've become a worldwide manager. I've been everywhere. So, uh, but obviously, why England first? Because when I left, and this is true, clearly, when I left after Sunderland, my idea was to get out, to see something different, and come back. And that, go out for a little bit, it took me to Greece, Spain, China, France, wow. and so many years. So I, I, it wasn't planned. It was not expected. And obviously, you get out of this circle, no? Like, that you need to be in, and, 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 and it's difficult to come back. It needs to be something very, you know, timing and, and somebody right who's really looking for some kind of manager. And I guess, so the China one kind of came out of nowhere. Like, I feel like China as a nation just suddenly piled billions of <laughs> like, pounds into, the, into their football. So how was, how was your time in China? Was there a big culture shock there? Or? Yes, it was. Uh, just to make a summary, uh, football ways, uh, it wasn't great uh, because they still changing rules uh, every year, every six months. 
personal uh, experience was fantastic. I mean, uh, living in a place where they are so different to us, but you need to understand their way of living, their culture, and in what they believe and how they live their lives. That was an ex- incredible experience. But it's important, I think, to say how it came. You know, I, I left Betty's and I was disappointed, obviously, because it was a, a big chance to go to the top La Liga in Spain. And like two weeks later, they called me from China. And my first reaction being me was, no, 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 no. But then they started pushing. And like I normally do, I call my staff. And I talk to every single one of them. And every single one of them told me, come on, Gaffa, we must go there. I mean, this is a unique <laughs> opportunity. Uh, I, can't, I can't imagine Charlie Oatway being bang thank up you. going to Shanghai. <laughs> <laughs> He, he was one of them saying, Gaffa, come on. You know, like, so uh, I, I really put even more in consideration the situation, personal situation that is all different. And I kind of get into the, okay, let's get through. I keep informed. And depending on what is coming, we, we decide all together. And, and a week later, I had to stop my holidays fly into Spain to, you know, leave everything in Sevilla for my wife to do the move back to England for me to come to England to, you know, um, fly to China like, like that. So it was very unexpected and very quick. But um, moving on to the, 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 main, uh, the main thing for us, which is your time at Brighton. We go to November 2009, which is when you join. Um, for us as fans at the time, it was very exciting because you were someone who we had heard of. And if you grew up like Josh and I following Brighton in the, the 1990s through the early part of the 2000s, it wasn't often that we had a player or a manager join who we'd really heard of and had a high profile. So obviously we'd seen you play in the Premier League, you know, Chelsea, Spurs, etc. So we knew who you were. So for us, it was kind of a bit of a, a surprise because on paper, we weren't necessarily the most attractive option. We'd narrowly (laughs) avoided going down to League Two the season before you joined. We were playing at the With Dean. We didn't really have a training ground. I can't imagine we had the biggest budget in the world. So what was it that attracted you to Brighton? Did you apply? Were you approached? How did it come about? Well, first, uh, it's interesting what you asked me because uh, I'm very realistic and you just define the situation. Um, When I started trying to look for my first club, I said, okay, I'm not going to get a Premier League. Practically impossible because it's very rare that you get into the Premier League like that. I was pretty confident that I will get a championship club. Okay. So I waited and nothing came along. So I thought, hmm, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe I, I need to drop down. And, and then the, the situation with the Brighton came. Uh, I put myself in a situation to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove myself. I'm going to show, you know, that what I want to do it works uh, at any level. Uh, it was kind of personal challenge. Uh, and, and it's nice that you say where we train because even the players that they were uh, bright and they were a little bit surprised that I was going there, especially with the training ground that we had, with my office at the university, <laughs> uh, with the pitches that we were training on. Uh, but that's football, and that's what I like to do. Uh, I remember after three or four months when we started getting slowly certain things, the real click 
it was in the second year, and I will explain it later. But I, I was started seeing things that were happening in the in the football page. Uh, that is when uh, people started talking. You got no chance to play football the way you want in League One. No chance. And I was thinking, you know, what, what are you talking about? Yeah, you wait. <laughs> why? Why? Why not? Okay, I didn't know that click. I'm gonna tell you later, but. I was seeing already things that they were possible. You know, that relationship that we created with the player from day one, from Southampton, okay, yes. day one, that make you believe, okay, yeah, we can do things. Uh, my relation with Tony Bloom, with Tony, Tony Bloom was exceptional. Okay, exceptional. He even done things to me, he gave me things that I told Tony, uh, the chairman, chairman, be careful. Don't give this freedom to anyone, you know, because, uh, you know, any other people will take advantage of you. You know, you have to be very careful. I know he was new as well, but he yeah. had that connection with me. We had that understanding and while we were looking into the future of the club, but it was so similar that he was very open to me and, and, and he helped me a lot. It was like a, we came together at the right time, and that what everything working so well. Yeah, and when you when you started, just out of interest, when you started picking your staff to like Tariko mm -hmm. and Oatway, what was it about them that stood out for you to be like, yeah, these are the right people. This is the right combination of people to to bring this team to the to the levels that you did. Well, it, it's all through experience. Um, I had the, all the coaching courses, my pro license, everything was done. I was an assistant of two different managers, totally different, opposite, Dennis Wise and Juan de Ramos. And after being with them, which was fantastic experience, I would recommend it to anyone who wants to be a, a first coach or first manager to have a, a peer of assistant because you are inside and you learn from the inside. When I decided I wanted to be number one, uh, first and most, I talked to Tano Tariko which we see football the same way, but we are so different personalities. Uh, so I needed that support in what we were trying to achieve and how, by strong opinion as well. You know, and when Tano disagree, he disagree. And I mean <laughs> it with all the words, okay? Which uh, many discussions that we had about different things, we finished the conversation after trying to convince each other saying, okay, we don't agree in this, that's it. You know, let's not try or keep talking because we will never agree. And that helped me a lot because that made me think, mm. you know, am I right? Is it right? And, and that helped me in my development. Then, then Charlie, uh, all the way, which was special and, you know, his role was perfect for the group of players we had. Uh, my first asked to the club was, I need someone from the club. Mm, makes uh, sense. They gave me two opportunities. I'm not going to talk about who was the other one, but after having them both like in a week trial, uh, I picked Charlie uh, after finding out about him as well, you know, because I call people. It's not like you, you go, I, I like him and that's yeah, it. Him, yeah. You find <laughs> out, yes. And, and what a great decision he became, you know, because he was with me practically everywhere after, after that. He's brilliant. I mean, the interesting thing about Charlie was that he's he'd obviously been on the whole with Dean journey. Yeah, so he yeah. knew, I mean, 
practically he knew the ins, you know, he knew the inside of the club and and what it was. And he no, was, he, I mean, as a as a fan, he was always a character. And I can't even imagine what he was like in a dressing room. But no, <laughs> it was it was perfect. It was perfect. You know, when 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 you need someone to maintain the atmosphere at the club, he was number one. I got no doubt. Now he needed to be convinced in the football that we wanted to play and he can recognize it if you talk to him in the beginning he was telling me like uh, you know like he told me after he told some friends no chance yeah. and then it slowly become until one of the images that i got of charlie which probably you don't know is uh, our famous game at peterborough uh where it was outstanding where the the first time I heard that famous song, we... Yeah, we're going to come on to this, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Charlie was looking at me, covering his, his face, and, and, and like kind of saying, wow, this is unbelievable. You know, yeah. um, wow. for a group of staff, sitting down, watching your team playing, that kind of football against a team that was playing for promotion as well, away from home, and the and the outcome, there is no better. You know yeah. the feeling, you are at your maximum that you can feel as a as a manager or as a coach. I'll be honest, Josh and I on this podcast in <laughs> episodes, we have probably talked about Charlton and Peterborough, yes. those back to back games. <laughs> We've probably talked about them a 10, 15 times. Yes. I don't know if you know the phrase we were saying boxing pound for pound. So it's a way of comparing. Yes. You know, so. We always say that those two games, pound for pound, are probably the best we've ever seen any Brighton team play before yeah. or since. And I think I remember I was at both the games, but I remember seeing your interview after the Charlton game, I think it was. And I think to paraphrase, you basically said that's about as perfect as it's going to get in terms of an away performance, in terms of defending, keeping the ball, creating chances, putting chances away, you know, the whole, the whole lot. When I listen to you, I'm still feeling it because <laughs> it was it was top. You know everything we were thinking. Um, uh, without, I don't want to forget when, when the precise moment that I knew that something was clicking. Okay, and probably you wouldn't know in my second season. Okay, the champions, obviously. Away at Plymouth, seven, eight games or whatever it is, we playing an incredible football in a night, Tuesday night or whatever it was. It was that I think uh, Tommy Elfie scored for the first goal, and then um, they they were trying to to let us play, and we were playing, mm-hmm. and then in the second half they trying to press us high, and we start playing long in behind, and we had like four or five one v one. And I turned to Tano thinking, Tano, that's it. We're done. That's it. <laughs> and then the next game is when Sandasa scored and we got top. And that's why that Plymouth game for me is the moment. Okay? Now, hmm. you saw the results afterwards. Yeah. But it was the moment that I realized that the, the team on the pitch was already understanding how to play the game depending on the opposition. So depending what you allow us to do, we will do. So be careful, because if you allow us to play short, we play short. If you allow us to play long, we play long. If you allow us to play in one side, we go through that side, and we will hurt you. And that was the main thing with this team, that it was achieved through the last, my last three years, 
is that we always play depending on the opposition. Yeah, it's interesting you should say it because I was going to talk about the Charlton game, which is I remember they hadn't lost at home, I think, mm-hmm. by the time we, got, we went there. And I remember turning up on the day, and you probably remember this better than I do, but you'd picked, the team that you picked was actually, you'd gone, you went to a diamond and you played Kishashev in there. And I don't think anyone oh. in the crowd, if you'd have got people to name their team, you know, as they're walking into the stadium, but I don't think anyone in Charlton, Brighton, whoever, I don't think anyone would have picked that formation. That's especially point, especially after the Peterborough game. Like, yeah, especially thing, after the performance thing, yeah. against Peterborough. That, that, that was the good thing that I started having this feeling with the players and this connection. It's about, okay, we play fantastic, best game so far, Peterborough. Now we're going to go to Charlton, which they got different approach to the game and different weaknesses. And me now knowing that you know where, how we can take advantage of those weaknesses, we're going to play this system. I'm going to help you just by positioning on the pitch for you to understand that that's what we need to do. Obviously, they've done it because that's up to the players. Eh? It's up to them. And to a point that the, the reaction, there is no better for a coach to see the face of a player after a performance like that. It's, it's between happiness, proudness, a little bit of embarrass, like because you, you, you feel that you've done something extremely well against your opposition, which is, you know, play. my son was a Charlton player, academy player, he was sitting on the stand, and he was feeling a little bit like, Oh no! No, you, no, you. Tomorrow I need to go and train. You know, no. yeah. But, uh, because it was close to perfection, and and that when probably like I said to you, me, Plymouth fans after Peterborough Charlton. Yeah, that's yeah. The, the turning point for yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Peterborough is an interesting one because we talk about that, and obviously it was you know the goals that were scored could have been if that game had finished seven or eight nil. No one would have. No one would have thought that's an unfair result. Because I think penalty missed. Ashley Barnes hit the bar twice. I think towards the end, you know, could have Listen, really. Missed, I think we missed. Yeah, we missed a penalty. There is somebody. I'm not going to say. I don't like to be the first one putting other names into the thing. So when it's being said, I prefer to say. You know, it's not because of that. That's why I don't make a book. I don't want to be the first one telling <laughs> stories, getting in trouble. But I, I met a, a coach after the game at Peterborough and he wanted to get the game in those days, DVD, the, um, because he wanted to give it to, to the FA, to academies, wow. to show a way of playing football. That doesn't mean the only way. You know, something he never seemed that, he, he was a, a coach that watched football a lot in that division. And he was so impressed by what he saw on the day that he wanted to get a game for himself to give it to different people to analyze that game. Woo, you know, like yeah, you're a coach. Manager, you must be like, and especially yes. as a pretty new manager. I mean, you're only, what, a year and probably a, a year and a half. And in. Yeah, but um, that's, that, that, sorry, eh, and, and I'm going to be honest, it's, it's credit to the players. You, you don't imagine when you meet one of these groups, okay? how they remember certain things that for me is fantastic. You know, do you remember when we done that? Do you remember when we used to that? Do you remember? And that's the best you can get from an ex-player, okay? 
the ones they play, the ones they don't play, why somebody played, why somebody didn't play. You don't think it was difficult for me to get Gordon Greer? Yeah, and give him the captaincy. Like that. And people were saying to me, no, don't do that. The captain here is the oldest, eldest one at the football club. Or, or the one, I said, uh, I'm sorry. But, no, no. When it's something that is incredibly historic or something really unique and that you cannot go against the culture of the club, fair enough, you need to adapt. But it was no. We were coming from years of years of playing relegation. <laughs> and, and I wanted to change something and I needed a character uh, that it will bring other people up without me even intervening. And that was Gordon. And in training, I didn't need to put any kind of you know, strong message content because yeah. he will maintain everyone <laughs> training at the top because he knows he will go ballistic. So it was really important. And I thought that the players, they understood. Probably in the beginning, a few of the Brighton lads will say, this is not why? Yeah. why? No, but time. Time will tell. And, and that will happen with, with Gordon at the end. So I guess my next question isn't on the list, but I'm going to ask it. Okay. Uh, the... Um, so for you, it was Plymouth uh, when you saw it, it all clicked. Um, and for us, it was probably Peterborough followed by Charlton. When do you think it was for the players as a collective? When do you think they turned around and was like, you know what? This guy knows his stuff. Let's, uh, let's, let's get this. We can, we can do it in the way that he wants. Well, the, 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 the ones they play, Southampton, Southampton. It's nothing to do with the system. It's to yeah. the way that we train three days or whatever it was. We done the basic, basic, the minimum, minimum you can do. Go in the pitch and perform. And, you know, we play you in your best position. Remember that we, I started with 4-4-2. That's another thing that we need to talk. Mm. I was 99% convinced that my system, main system, would be 4-4-2. Okay? Huh. And we started like that, as a hunter. And I made my first tactical change after five minutes, seven minutes. I changed Elliot Bennett with uh, Coxie from the side, because I think it was uh, Adam Ella playing left back. It was getting destroyed. Yeah. And I said, I need some covering here. After seven minutes eh, of my first game. And I'm, I'm kind of Elio Bennett said to me, and now, yes, I know. Today you are not going to play. Today you're going to help Adam Ella. But the team is going to get advantage of that. And we done the first action with Coxie on the other side. And consequences, okay? Uh, and everybody played it apart that day. Even Dickinson. Who, I didn't know, and I was like, we are playing on the left for the last 20 minutes. It's going to kill me. What are we going to do? <laughs> yes, because you never knew what to expect from, from him. And he went on and, you know, created the third goal, which at that time it was key. Uh, so the players probably that day, they went into the dressing room thinking, wow, what a change. Example, I don't know if you remember the, the reaction of uh, Kuiper, Michelle Kuiper. When we scored the third goal, he hit his knees, like yeah. looking at God, thinking, What an earth. Thank you. What's happening? <laughs> what, what is going on? Okay. Now, this change and the full convincement for me, that group, eh, first year, is leads away where I change the system. Okay. For the first time, I play Alan Navarro behind uh, probably. Dicker and Crofty, or I don't know who playing there. We, and I went a little bit more solid because my third game, we lost 3-0 at home against uh, Leeds. 
so I thought, okay, leads, leaders, strong, you know, we, we already got destroyer within. We need to be a little bit more clever and go in there. And we play an unbelievable game, okay? To a point that I said, mm, I'm going to play the same system this week. And then we started learning from that and we found that the players, they, they felt they were more secure on the pitch playing that system. They felt in better positionings. They felt we were all more together and they were easier to pass the ball. And we stopped playing sideways and we started playing forward because the process of possession football is players first play sideways, safe, boring, and then they started knowing when to play forward. So that's the other turning point leads when we went to a 4-3-3 mostly. And then we slightly changed it again, playing our striker wide, especially with Ashley Barnes and so on and on and on. We can talk about every... It's, I mean, the natural mm. following from that is that clearly there were a lot of players who had been at the club before you arrived who had been used to playing a different way of football, different way of training different way of everything, pretty much. <laughs> who do you think was the player who improved the most under your coaching? I've got an answer in my everybody, head. Everybody knows which one. It was Adam Elav. Yeah. That's who we have, yep. And it was interesting. <laughs> we were just talking about before you came on, we were actually saying, the interesting thing you've got to remember is that in that title-winning season, he won player of the season. Normal. I still, you know, I, I went to a, a fans forum in London, being a Brighton manager. And, and this guy was sitting in front of me. He was desperate to ask for a question. And he, he had like a, it was a fifth or six. And when he went to him, he said, oh, it's my time. Yes. Sorry. I cannot wait to ask. What did you do with Adam Elav? What did you do? <laughs> and, and he was like, so then you try to explain. Okay. Adam, Adam Elav first is very intelligent. Okay. The people who knows him personally is very intelligent. He had a, a, a way of understanding football that it was different to what we wanted to achieve. Now, I will probably challenge you to one day to talk to him. We've done certain, not many, I'm not going to exaggerate because I'm honest, but we've done a few training sessions that he didn't know. They were only for him. Only for him. Okay? Some playing from the back actions where I will bring the second team and I will ask the second team to do certain things for Adam Elav, for him to get in confidence, for him to start doing certain things. For example, Adam Elav, he was a player, and Adam will kill me, but I will say that he likes to get the ball, pass it. You know, like I don't have, I don't yeah, want no, the ball in my face. Yeah, as soon as he will pass it, he will demand for the ball. Yeah, yeah, back, back, back. So I will stop. I say, Adam, wait, wait, wait. You have the ball. You're in your own. You want to get rid of the ball as soon as possible. And as soon as you pass it, you ask for the ball back. Don't give it away if you're in your own. You just go forward. <laughs> Why you give it to get it back? It was like a, it was a way he learned to play football. Uh, two touches, yeah, pass, pass. And they pass, yeah, 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 back, back, pass. Yeah, back, back. I said. So we started talking to him, convincing him how we needed to come out with the ball, the kind of angles, which angles, when, how, when it was marked, when it was free, when so many things that involved training with a football player for him to be able to be in position when he is confident. 
We never try to put Amal Elab in a situation where he will go, I'm not sure. No. You know, that's the main thing of a coach. You need to use a player where they're going to go into the pitch to perform at their best, feeling confident about it. You know, like, no, like, I don't know, I want to make an example. Uh, not like bringing uh, Andre Orlandi and playing right back against uh, Hazard. He's, gonna get it. He's not going to be very confident when he goes there and see Hazard in front. So we try to check in training if he was able to develop that football brain. And he was. But that, the main thing is him. We try. But the one he done is Adam Elav. So people need to be proud of Adam Elav, how yeah. he embraced it, took it into his mind and understood the situation. And I tell you, he became a key player for yes. me because that gave me the freedom to use him, Gordon Greer, uh, Tommy Elphick, you know, interchange, bring Dunkey slowly and not rush because we needed someone good on the ball. You know, so many things that were, we were developing under Adam Elav, which was important for us. Can you, can you think of any other times in your management career? Because I think we've covered Charlton and Peterborough yeah. pretty well. Uh, can you think of any other times in your career that you think like, yes, these, this, is, this is what I want. This is kind of the best example of how you wanted a team to play. At Sunderland, um, you know, anywhere else, is there, has there been other moments for you where you've like, gone like, yes, this is the click moment, just in general? Um, I mean, in the first few years, we already talked. Um, I think, I think the, 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 the faces of a player in my third year, my first year in championship, uh, I think we went top of the championship after seven games or something like that. The, the, the players, they were looking at me like thinking, are we going to do the same <laughs> the last year in, <laughs> in this level? You know, like, uh, okay, but wait, wait. The, the, the good thing is that we were able to do it. It became a little bit more difficult because then you need some extra quality. And that was the key moment of my time at Brighton. You know, I talked there for a big conference for South America, for 40 South American coaches. We had a conference call and I talk about football. And they asked me, which is your best time as a coach? Easy, Brighton. Easy. Listen, I've been in the Premiership, okay? Definitely more uh, repercussions when I was a manager of Sunderland, no doubt. i done very, very well in ICA and in Bordeaux very well in terms of uh, wins and I can go to Greece anytime and they call me already two or three different clubs probably I will have a chance to go back to France because of that performance but being able to sit down and watch a game only Brighton okay and I told you Peterborough we were sitting down you, you didn't need to be standing different is a chart on that the, the, the the bench, it was horrible. You couldn't see. And it was a publicity in the middle. And, and you needed to be on the other side. Even then, <laughs> it's a funny story. I sat down in the publicity and you are not allowed because you're covering. <laughs> yes, yeah, funny. Yeah. The guy said, no, you cannot sit in there. I said, why? I said, no, it's publicity. And it needs to be f- free for people to see it. I said, okay. Uh, so second year, uh, third year, sorry, uh, my second full season, the good thing I had, it was like my relation with Tony Bloom it was so good that in October, I knew 
And Tony knew what we needed in January. And we needed one player, not five, you know, because normally manager, we ask for yeah. 10. You know, people say, ask for 10, you get five. Or ask for 10. <laughs> because we were adding specific players in specific positions. It was not like, bring, 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 bring. It doesn't matter how many. No. We were adding, we were thinking about the player. Uh, even even that year, uh, the, the, the last, my last year, we had a plus on, uh, on, um, on certain players because we were reaching the budget and, and then it became the, the possibility of adding certain quality. And I called the chairman and said, Chema, that's it. And he was the kind of guy who said, okay, don't worry. I, I, I take this one. You know, all the times, you know, when they were not financial full play and, and all that. Yeah. Uh, so there were things that make it easier for me. And that was this understanding with Tony Bloom. Uh, championships, there is, there is so many things I can talk. I mean, the, the respect that we got from the positions. That is something for the, the players. They were looking at me in game thinking, oh my God, they are not coming. I mean, we have Brighton, we just come up. I remember when you used to sit, like we used to watch and some teams like they were basically defending sitting in the stands. They were sitting that far deep. Well, you know? Imagine how difficult it was for our players to play against teams that they were used to playing the championship and a few ex-premiership players that they were so deep and so compact for us to get through that. Mm. Uh, one of my best games for Brighton with any doubt, it was a draw at home against Bolton. That game, if it finished 7-0, Everybody will take it by granted. We miss a penalty. We miss the rebound from the penalty and the rebound from the rebound of the penalty in the same action. Hamo hit the crossbar. Orlando hit the crossbar. Uh, we hit the, we had a 1v1 in the last, I mean, it was, and they scored in the last minute. But that's the game that you as a coach, you go in the dressing room and say, boys, don't worry. Yeah, because next time you're going to, it's, you know, you put yourself in the right position, basically. Thank you. So that was the kind of relation. Upset, upset, I got a few times because things that we done and we trained very well and they were working and we couldn't put into three points. Example, Wolves away, that probably people would tell you if you talk to them, players, that Wolves went down to 10 men and we were losing one in. And the second half, we done something that we trained. It was spectacular to watch. And we drew 3-3. Three, three. You know, you go, in, you go in the dressing room thinking, I cannot accept that. You know, like, it's not possible. After what we've done, we cannot draw this game. But that, that was more like we were already my last year and we were already in a level that people were expecting us to do better and better. Talking about, you mentioned signings and bringing players in for specific reasons. This might be a difficult question, but who was your best signing that you made at the club? <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Uh, there is so many for so many different reasons. Uh, I mean, you mentioned Gordon Greer. I think he was... I think he was Gordon Greer was probably the first, uh, with all respect to the ones that came that summer. Uh, we can talk about my last one, Uyoa. Which yeah, great. Massive profit for the football club. Uh, going through Bruno... Uh, you know. We, we, we can get into Vicente, Calde. Well, yeah. but Calde look, at, look at Calde. Calde and Marcos Painter. Uh, 
um, that, that's another situation which is interesting for people to know. I, I had an idea of the football I want to play and I had the certain things I wanted to try slowly. You need to be careful how you grow up, okay? And we went to that game in January. I think it was away at Walsall, my first year. And it's the first game we played Calderon and Marco Pente together in a horrible, absolutely dreadful pitch. And the two of them, they start going forward and they create it with, and we play an unbelievable game for the level that we were playing at that time. And you will think, can't you fullbacks really change dramatically the way that a team plays football? I'm talking about 2009, 10, uh, 2009 probably. So it's not like we're talking about nowadays that the two fullbacks, they play wingers, okay? And in that division, in a team playing for relegation. But it did. They, they, they add so many things to us that we were missing for whatever reason, and that helped us to keep developing the system that we play later on. So, yes, Difficult, we, we, no, probably, we, we probably will talk about Vicente. I mean, probably yeah, the that best. Yeah, be the next question. But I, I mean, I suppose there's people like Orlando, uh, David Lopez. David Lopez. Well, there's... David Lopez is one of, one of the plus. That I, I didn't want to say the name, but you name me now. We are in last day of transfer window. Budget practically dead. Pounds to spend, and the chairman goes, Get him. I said, Are you sure? He's like, Yeah, you're like, Not my <laughs> money. <laughs> yeah, not my money. No, yeah. And he went, Get him. And we made it from Spain. And he was like, Wow. And I remember telling David Lopez after four or five games, it was outstanding. Man. Yeah. Brilliant. Everything. Saying, David, please wait. Don't get upset. Don't get frustrated. I know you deserve to play. I know. Yeah? But the team is flying now. I cannot play. You have to wait. As soon as you get in, yeah, it's okay. up to you. And as soon as he got in, he I couldn't change him. He played yeah. right wing. He played number eight in the middle. He even played a Ipswich right back away mm-hmm. from home. So that's how intelligent he was and how brought other level of football as well to us. But remember that we were bringing athletic Bilbao players. We've talked to about Brighton. <laughs> We've done, and I guess that like he sent the Champions League final. Yeah, to Brighton. Yeah, we and know I guess that. yes. Tell me. The next question I have really is based on that. Like you, you created a Spanish connection at the club that mm-hmm. has persisted to today. Yeah. And I guess my question is like, how did that come about? What what foundations did you have to lay to be like, oh, hey, here's six top-class no, Spanish players? No, it, was, <laughs> no, it, it, was, it was interesting because in top of that, they were first and most, I can say to you, they were not brought by my agent. So it was not like an agent connection. It was not the same agent. You can ask the players, they were all different. Um, but we had a, a way of working at Brighton that it was so simple and so clear. We only bring players with certain characteristics that they will fit the way we play football. Okay, uh, to explain that, we, I thought that we were a team that we have plenty of things to do well, but in my mind, speed was missing. And that's why we went for Buckley, because of his speed. Pure, straight, 1v1, on the right, bam, 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 killing people, okay? So we were not signing a right wing. No, we were signing speed, okay? And when we went for the loans, you can call him some Vokes or, or um, uh, Woods, yeah. Wood. we needed presence, we needed back to goal, we needed a heading, flick. we needed 
characteristics that they, they work better or worse, but they were specific characteristics. And that's why the team keep growing. Because they understand. Right. It seemed, as a fan, it seemed that whenever we looked at the team and we saw a gap, like a week later, the gap was filled, you know, with like the right player. Does that make yes. sense? Yeah, like you'd watch sense. them again, you'd go, like you say, we would watch the game and you'd go, Glenn Murray's playing really well, but actually we need a backup to Glenn if he gets injured or whatever. And then a week later, Sam Vokes or Chris Wood rocks up and you think, oh, okay, yeah, there you go. That's what we need. So I, I no, get it. No, I get it. Look, common sense. The problem is that there is so little common sense nowadays. There is things that you are inside the club that obviously I cannot tell you in many clubs I've been, that things that happen in the club that you go, why? We don't need that. We don't need that player. You know, like, you know, like, what is going on? So those kind of situations, the kind of situation that breaks projects, you know, you call him, oh, yeah, I go, I go project after six months. Boom, see you later, another manager. Oh, another project, <laughs> 10 months later, another man. And in Brighton, we knew that that was getting better. Yeah, and it's interesting. I think I've heard Tony Bloom has done a few interviews over a lot of few years, and he's always said, you know, he's a fan of the club you know, predominantly know. as well as being the owner. Family. Yeah, and I think family. that's the fact that you say often he, you know, you get to your budget and he would come in and go, actually, we're going to, you know, we're going to push it a little bit. I imagine that in him, that was the fan. He's always said, Probably. he's Probably. always said, you know, the difficult, he's, he's a businessman and he's a fan. And obviously, you know, being his level of wealth, in theory, he must have found it difficult to not go, I'm just going to go and spend, you know, well, as much as I can. Million or whatever <laughs> Listen, um, from my experience, the, the, the only, only one that he done it was developers. Okay, it was the last day of transfer window. It was the last bit of money. It was practically a risk. Uh, I don't know if today exactly you would be allowed today for that financial fair play, if it mm-hmm. was perfect or not, or if we will find a sponsor to bring the possibility of the budget a little bit higher, yeah. because that's another thing. Another thing, we went from seven, 8,000 people are within to 21, 22, the first game of the season, to 30, my last season. So it's yeah. not like you were losing money and bringing expensive players. No, we were bringing... Also, we pay developers the maximum that we were, we were set as a payment. It was not like, I'm making an example, everybody was in 1,000 and he came in 2,000. No. Yeah. So he dropped a little bit his wages as well to come and play for us because he talked to Calderon and, and Orlando and he said, oh, I'm, I'm coming here, you know, and we want to we wanna have a good time. So, but like I said to you, it, it was so important, this kind of knowing what we're doing together that made the club perform yeah. the way it was performed. And it's else. interesting, we had, we had Bruno on a few weeks ago um, and Obviously, everyone loves everyone loves Bruno, you know, proper proper legend. First, first ball he gets, yeah. Play. I make a movement to get it back. I, I told Tano told me, my assistant told me, it's gonna be unbelievable, Bruno in English football. <laughs> first <laughs> ball was it was ridiculous. I mean, we were actually talking to him. We were saying you might find this quite interesting, which is for him when he was getting towards the end of his career is actually when he finally reached the Premier League. You know, sure. so he was like 34, 35, 36, maybe when we got promoted to the Premier League. When most players are beginning to, you know, maybe drop down the division, he's suddenly gone from playing against, you know, with all due respect, Sheffield Wednesday, he's gone up to having to defend against Rashford, Aguero, you know, (laughs) the best of the best. It was quite interesting. But anyway, he was telling us that 
he was sold the club by Vicente. Yes. We basically have Vicente to thank for Bruno. And it's That's interesting right. that you're, that this, this, this kind of link, which is that yeah. Spanish Dave is brought in by Calde. You know, then Vicente. Vicente sells the club to Bruno. Bruno sells the club to, you know, it's, it's almost like this legacy is True. kind of been created. But, True, but the, you, know, you know the good thing about that? That means that the play was here. It was already feeling something. And I'm making sure that this feeling, you can share it with another one that, you know, you say, no, no, come here because yeah, you're going to enjoy being here. You're going to be unbelievable. It will change your life, maybe. Bruno, no, still. Yeah, I mean, Bruno still. The club. Still so the club. Uh, yeah. it, was, it was a culture. That, that was the key. And every player was coming in. The rest of the player will help him. And it will make him welcome. And they will explain why we do the things that we do, you know. So it became easier for me as well. I didn't need to be always on top, always telling everybody what I needed to do because the players themselves, they will do it. Uh, but there is so many things that, you know, they, they were coming together at the right time. I think we have to talk about Vicente a little bit because yes. he was a huge signing at the time. And, you know, how much of a coup was that getting him to sign? I mean, I know we had he had like some injury problems or whatever there was. Well, uh, it was, but it was, it was two things. Sorry that I cut you off. Two no, things. Cool. One is to really give him the opportunity to be himself in terms of train as much as you can. And, you know, in this one of... I don't remember how long after he came here, he even brought his own recovery guy. Or, you know, he was working with him, especially ours. Uh, but we, we, we couldn't get him. We couldn't. It was something between everybody. We couldn't get him ever, ever, eh, to a point physically and mentally that he was ready to play week in, week out. I'm going to go even further. And probably Vicente can tell you one day. We asked him so many times, just be on the bench. Maybe yeah. you play 20 minutes. And he will say to us, well, I didn't train this week. I say, I don't care. <laughs> Just sit down on the bench. And probably you saw Vicente on the bench every now and then with a hat, cold. Yeah. And because the game was going well, I didn't even make him warm up. And probably you were thinking, what is going on with the manager? So I was taking a risk to yeah. get blamed by the fans. Yeah, because so having Vicente on the bench, you probably thought he was fit. And he didn't train once with the team during the week. Yeah. But we asked him, go on the bench. You know, who needs to train for 20 minutes? We were telling him. That's it. No just, <laughs> it was wild. Maybe, maybe you will go like you went in against Liverpool. I don't know if you remember. In the cup. And he, he make a chop, a check. that The guy tackling him, he put him in the stand for the penalty. Yeah. So but I mean, that was the idea. The problem was more and more difficult. And for him, it was very frustrating, you know? Yeah. It was very frustrating. Look, his best action are, uh, are the annex. I don't know if you remember. Is it going to be Derby? When he dribbled everybody. Yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> yeah. he asked me three minutes before to change him. He was, he was dead. It was it. He was dead. Dead and busted. He was gone. He couldn't walk. During the time that I called the player to come, Took all the stuff and blah, 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 blah. He got the ball, dribbled everybody, and hit the crossbar. Oh, yeah. That's why we asked him, even if he didn't train, we need you for that action. You know, come on the bench. To be honest with him, it was like saying, you know, like, you know when you have to say, okay. Yeah. It was accepting things that in a normal condition, you will never accept it or the manager will never ask a player. 
but it was so good that we thought if we can have 10, 15 minutes at the end of the game, he can win us the game. That was the only thing that he didn't work. We couldn't get him a fit as he needed to be to become a superhero at Brighton, obviously. Yeah, and I think we got, I think as fans, we got out of him what we probably thought we would, which is the odd flash of absolute yeah. genius every now and then. I mean, I remember I've, my season ticket is kind of back row of the North Stands. So used to watch him and you would watch him. He would play a pass that no one else on the pitch has seen on, you know, like the defenders have not seen it. The strikers not made the run. And you go as a fan, you go, I've seen, I can see that, but I can see why no one's made the run. But you do, like, you can see with light years ahead of. You, you know, what? It's, it's, it's unfair what I'm going to say, but probably the players will tell you, I suppose. It was in another level. I mean, we say that I think if you look like you mentioned Champions League finalist, you know, at one point he was regarded as the best player in his position in the world, probably, for a season. Well, but listen, if when he was fit and playing with Gay Wicca, you get him for Brighton in the Premiership. Yeah. He's the best player ever played for Brighton or, or close. He, yeah. now, the yeah. problem is because he didn't play as much as we wanted to. And because we were in the still in the championship, maybe you think, oh, yeah, it was. No, he was one of the best players yeah, ever. Yeah, we say that. I mean, we say, I don't think we've, we've still never had a player of his pedigree at no, the club. Yes. And I don't think, I think you've got to wait for yes, possibly ever. Yeah, it's going to be difficult get to get that kind of pedigree. So we it, was, it, was just, it was just unlucky that the, the last bit of fitness for him to have the confidence. I suppose the flip side of that is, would we have got him if he'd have been fitter? Do you know uh, what I mean? No, you're right. Absolutely right. A hundred percent. I don't need to go through that. Yeah. Next question. The, interest, <laughs> the last thing on Vicente, which I say, is, you might not know this, is yeah. there's a fans internet forum which you've probably never read but probably knew about called North Stand Chat um, and when the saga of Vicente signing or not signing it was kind of leaked in the press that maybe he was coming maybe he wasn't and it was obviously right up to the deadline and there were fat thousands of people posting on this forum is he coming isn't he coming are we going to get him and someone on there one of the fans spotted him at Gatwick <laughs> got a, honestly got a picture of him at Gatwick posted that on this forum and the whole place went nuts we're like right he's coming so it was like it was, so, it was like a target everyone was this is like pre you know this is pre-Netflix everyone's like you're waiting tracking his flights and yeah, stuff yeah and it was tracking his flight and someone got this picture and it was as an insight saying to the fans like when as I mentioned earlier you know Vicente is a player that basically everyone has heard of particularly of that you know no, no, no doubt me me it was, a, it was a no-brainer. Uh, you were right. If it wasn't his top of physically outstanding, it, w- it wouldn't probably come to us in the situation that we were in the championship. Uh, but we thought that it was worth it, the risk. You know, Again, a, dec- a decision shared between the chairman and myself. Very simple conversation about football, about what maybe can give us then if we do a special work, maybe a little bit more, and you know, we analyze all the percentages of what it can be, and we decided, okay, you know, like, let's get him. Why not? I think it was a good for the buzz in the crowd. You probably remember it. Even whenever you see, see him warming yeah. up, the whole crowd would go nuts because yeah. you think, even if we get him for 10 minutes to, you know, do yeah. something. It, that, that's the days, I said the other day to a friend of mine, that's the days that the manager would like to come to the pitch with a, 
You say a megaphone? <laughs> yeah. I said, okay, I want to inform the whole stand, the whole stadium that Vicente didn't train once with us this week. I said, the bench anyway, for you to know and don't kill me. Yes. Because you're probably thinking I'm a nutter, I'm not playing yeah. him, but he didn't train once. So relax. Well, we no, I think actually, that. I think I might be speaking. No, probably people knew. I think a lot of a lot of the fans knew that. I think we could have guessed. We guessed that. We knew basically that he was never not quite really there. Fit. I was. Yeah. Thinking, you know what's the worst part? That I, I tried to put myself in his situation in the other side, but it was so much what we tried that when you get to a, a point where you you lose that ability to put yourself in the other side, and you're just forcing him. And obviously, he was feeling bad about it because. He knew he wasn't right, and a part of him didn't want to be on the pitch without being fit enough. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, he wanted because he wanted to play, and it was difficult for him, you know, mentally to, to get through the whole... Yeah, and I suppose whole... him knowing that everybody knew that he was at a level, there was this well. expectation, wasn't it, that you think yeah. he needs to be... Good. And I forget it, it's you difficult know. for him, because he was having to think he doesn't want to back out, you know, and people are expecting him to come on and be, you know, world-class. And another situation that people doesn't know, there were games that we left them up front, defending and attacking, dropping in the middle. So, it was, so Ashley Barnes was probably doing the, the, the hardest part, being a striker, but in defence, being a midfielder. And in attack, being a striker. <laughs> For him to be able to recover, yeah, and when we get the ball back, be fit to attack, and then recover, walking. And we had the ability of convincing another player who was so happy to do that job to be able to have Vicente in the team, which is incredible. No, the, no, the I think of his, his best goal is probably Ipswich away, where we lost. Yes, true. You remember it? Like, tucked inside and, like, and no one but talked I, about it because, obviously, we lost the game. But that was a, that was a moment where you go... I've seen Brighton players over the year, over the years, get the ball in that position, cut inside, and you go as a fan, you go, "This is ending up in Rosette." You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yep, that's the expectation. Is... You go, "There's not a chance that this is going anywhere near." <laughs> but Vicente gets that ball, cuts inside, beats the defender, and you go, "Well, I'm fairly confident this is going to be either in or on time." Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so it was. It was. I'm telling you, it was very good. He done things that they were fantastic, okay. and like I said, we were. It's a, it's a shame that, well, unlucky that we couldn't really uh, have more and more time on the pitch because, you know, maybe we're talking about something different right now. Can I, I think I that ask... we had... Oh, sorry, go on. Go on. I was going to say, can, we, can I ask you about Virgil van Dijk? Yes, the truth. We went to Groningen with Tano. Yeah. Uh, again, another player that we were following. And uh, one day when it gets to the point where I need to see him, I like to see him live. So a Sunday after we played on a Saturday, Sunday morning, we took the plane from Galway. We went to Holland. Uh, I don't remember if it was there. And um, we watched the game. After 10 minutes, you can see that there is a difference between him and the rest of the players on the pitch. Uh, we watched the whole game. Came out, uh, talked to the chairman, said, chairman, chairman talked to the agent. They were asking for 3 million euros at that time. We didn't have a 3 million euro player on the pitch, on the, in the squad. He was a defender, and we couldn't buy him. But that, that, was, that was already... Yeah, I think... Budget. Yeah. I mean, the, the, like six months later, or, or eight months later, we buy, for three million euros, Ulloa, striker. We all know 
that for us a team like Brighton, it was, you know, we, we were able to buy, for example, uh, uh, we Buckley for 1.2, I think, or 1. Point whatever it was, because it was speed specific. Yeah. But we wouldn't buy a right back. We wouldn't spend or a, 3 million on a centre back. Or yeah. 1 million for a right back. No, at that time. Did you get to the point? Was he, would he have come? Was he interested in coming? I think he would, yes. He went to Celtic after, with all respect to Celtic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think knowing the process that we were creating, uh, it was possible. Obviously, we had to be honest. Very easy to talk now because where he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, because I'm on it. Because probably we, I went to see another player to uh, Sweden, Witano, a striker, who looked good in the day, but it was too expensive as well. And we were still not 100% sure, so we didn't make an offer or nothing. Then the guy went to Genova in Italy, and he went to Switzerland, and nobody know him. Mm. You don't know him probably. It could have gone so, the other way. But what I mean is, uh, it was it was easy for for Tony Bloom and for myself to know that he had the qualities to perform at the highest level. Yes, I suppose you know. I mean, you can set the nanny and go. I saw. You know, you say I scouted him when he was. You know. Well, I, I said I mean? it because it was so funny. Uh, you know, when I was uh, later later on, I was at Sunderland. They asked me, "Were we really interested on Van Dijk?" I said, "Yeah." But it was already 10 million euros, you yeah. know, from safety. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it was a different kind of situation. And uh, I don't know if we made, uh, I said that to the podcast of Asandal, an offer or no, but that we were interested. Yeah, we were. Mm-hmm. Because his step to Celtic was already confirmed. Yeah, it was on his way. We thought. Yeah, it was in his way. So I guess the next question is also signing related. Uh, yeah. Craig McHale Smith was a big money signing. Uh, at the time, Similar to Vicente, we had like everybody online like finding out things, and people thought that Leicester were going to get him and West Ham were going to get him. Um, so I mean, he was a pretty big coup for the club. Yes, um, we need we needed something different up front. Every time we play against Peterborough, he was killing us, running, stopping, chasing, going. We didn't have that characteristic of player. Uh, we knew that he will perform at that level because you know we, we had the trust that he will do well for us. Um, Probably he suffered, Craig, with us a little bit in the, in the overall game. Uh, Why do you think that was? Because he, he needed that to play forward for him to chase. Mm. It was his strength. Uh, and we were playing, passing, interchanging positions. So in the beginning, I know it was difficult for him, but we needed it for the other part. We needed it for somebody who never stopped, who will go, who will score goals. And without the ball, he will be chasing and putting the opposition in, in so much pressure that the opposition will kick it and we will get it back and then we will play our game. So, uh, obviously, the perfect player, we can call it, the one that he can chase like Michael Smith but had the uh, technical ability of Vicente plus the aerial ability of Leo Yoa plus the speed of uh, Buckley, like you said before, it's not coming to Brighton. Yeah, 100%. That we go to Liverpool. So the idea was that we needed something from him that then probably the football that we play went a little bit about uh, Maka. Uh, but listen, um, for time. me, he was, was a key player. He done something fantastic. He scored unbelievable goals. The goal at Burnley, the very head kick, and the win that we played that day as well, that we won. So there is so many things that they were... They were special for us. He was unlucky with his injury, wasn't it? I mean, when he did yes. his Achilles, 
Yeah, I mean, we, as fans, again, we, I looked, we looked at him and think, to us, he never, he obviously lost his spot, his pace, like his initial burst of pace seemed yeah, to Yeah, also, also, also the, the team developed during the injuries, you know? Yeah. I think that happened a, a little bit to, to, to Tommy Elsick, who was my first captain and a, a person who was, my first captain was Crofty, sorry. But when Crofty left, I was thinking to give him the captaincy to, to Tommy Elphick and, and the way he understood the game as well and things like that. Tommy was part of the team and he got a bad injury, bad injury, um, Achilles tendon as well. And he was out for a while. And when, and when he came back, the team was flying. You know, and, and even then we, we, we tried to give him the opportunity to, to, to play and then he became the possibility to leave. And we had a great meeting with, the, with him and his uh, family. And today, probably we can say that he made the right decision because he went on to, to play in the Premier League. So uh, there is moments where the players, they get injured that they, you don't know what's going to happen when you're coming back. It depends not only on you, but also how the team is doing. Uh, Alan Navarro, key player for me, absolutely key. That was one of the players I defended the most against the club. Uh, I don't think that too many people understood the strength and the understanding of football for Alan Navarro. They used to look him only for the way he looks, but they didn't know how much he understood the game. So I wanted him to stay. And people were saying, well, well maybe. No, 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 and I wanted him to stay. And after he got injured, even more. Because, you know, you need to think that. Yeah. yeah, no, and you need, you need to make the player feel like he's going to be part of the team when he's coming back and not like uh, because he's injured, see you later, you know. So the, yeah. the, the club on those terms, they were incredible with me. They were so supportive. I mean, people doesn't know. You know, when, when you go and you ask the club to renew the contract of someone who's been injured for seven, eight months, you know, yes. The club will say, hey, let, let's wait. Let's wait and see how he's coming back. And if he's coming back. And, and I was thinking from the other side. Someone you know, else the then. And the message that you send to the other player. The, the other players, they were thinking, wow, he's been, you know, injured badly. We don't know how he's going to get back. And they offer him to stay. Another year, contract or an extension. Even if it's a little bit less money or whatever it is. But it was a, a part of a, the whole culture of the club that made everybody feel, I want to be part of this. And, and that was very important for me. I mean, we have that now. There's the, the player that I compare him with now in the sport is Dale Stevens, probably. Yes. And Dale Stevens has the very same kind of, um, let's say reputation, but a lot of fans will say he gets, he gets unnecessary criticism from a section of the fans, basically, is what I'm trying to say. And it's the same thing. They don't appreciate the role that he does in the team. And it's exactly, on a higher level, it's what Jordan Henderson does for Liverpool as well. It's that kind of unseen role. Well, not unseen, but, you know, he does the, the hard yards that fans yeah, might not notice. I'll make an example. If Stevens played for us in the championship, my team, it will be recognised for sure. Because his role is going to be clear. It will be outstanding with us. I think one of the players that will play in my team with any doubt from this team nowadays, apart from Danke, yeah? Sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, because Danke, we, we grow him up. It wasn't easy, but it was, it was a good process that we took him. You know, he wanted to go quicker, obviously, like any other player. And we were holding him. I'm playing the reserves, holding him. I'm making him play, uh, you know, games that he probably was thinking, what I'm doing here? Don't worry, Danke. Don't on, worry. On Danke, do you, did you think, are you surprised that he played for England? 
or did no, I'm not. I thought he was. Going, I, thought, I, thought, I thought he was going to to Leicester. I don't know why. I was convinced that he was leaving uh, Brighton. I, I thought he was. You know, if a team is looking for a centre half in a team that is going to control the game, uh, Danky's exception. Yeah, we say that now. Every summer, I'm expecting. Yeah. Every summer, we expect him to go somewhere. And actually, he's got to the point now where 100% of fans would pat him on the back and go, you know what I mean? They would just well, go, right, right, Listen, you know, what, you know why it's the funny part? Because you're going to understand why. I keep calling him Dunky like he's still 18. And he's not 18 anymore. Right? Okay? He's been there for a while. Eh? It was with me in 2011. Okay. So, well, he must have played 300 odd games well, now. Okay, no, because uh, Dunky, he looked like the kid. Oh, yeah, Louis Dunky, yeah, Dunky. Dunky, no, Dunk. Proper man, <laughs> you know, closer to the thirties, no? That the, the, so, uh, but he, he, I think it's a symbol now. Uh, mm-hmm. It's something that you, you know, that player that it can be a, it could be great. For example, one team player, you know, one club. Player. Yeah, and actually, I think weirdly, fans, I'd like to because he's a local, you know, because he's a local. local player, yeah. I'd like to go and see him play for Arsenal Spurs you know one I'd like to see how he gets on you know purely yeah if you can go there yes one, I know what I mean you want to go and see what he can do in a top top four top six team I think it's important uh, as you, you can imagine that the club stays in the premiership that's key yeah yeah I think I think I think it's safe to say I think every single fan knows that if we are to go down Dunkey will definitely Pro- be probably is a player that he will yeah. probably live easily yeah but we've had we've had some great years out of him, and actually he's a player that, like you say, I mean, I'd imagine if if we had Dunkey now, as he is now in your team, he is your ideal centre half in terms of reading the game, yeah. on the ball, bringing the ball out. He's had certain games you've probably seen in the Premier League where he's basically he's just kept coming forward, kept coming forward, and the gap. I think, kind of I, think up. I think when you get to the age of nowadays, maybe. 25, 26, by my time it was 27, it's the perfect age. I'll tell you why. Because you play enough games to have the experience. You're still not old. You know, you, you are not finishing or going down in your career. You know the game perfectly and you're taking advantage of everything happening in the game for your own ability. For example, Dan now is better in two boxes in the air than he was with me. It's much better. It's affecting the game. When he goes for, up for corners, it's always close to score goals from corners as well. And that's a develop of the age, the age, the quantity of games, the understanding what he needs to do, you know, the learning process that you need. So it's definitely a better player now than when he was with, with us. You don't imagine how many times, probably he doesn't know, I hope he listened to this, how many times I went to see him in the reserve. Yeah, Monday night, Monday morning. Going to training, blah, 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 blah. Staying all day at the training ground, beautiful office at the University of. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then going in the evening to where was the uh, little stadium we played next to Brighton? Um, uh, The reserve games, southern coast. Ah, it will come. It will come the name. Uh, Going there, watching the game, freezing cold because Dunkey was playing. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to watch him live. There in a in a horrible Monday night, freezing cold, windy, or whatever, and we watch him, and we watch him, and we watch, and train with us, and playing the reserve, and watching, and watching, and the, the quantity thing he learned it from, you know, from the, the whole group of his staff. Uh, uh, there were things that 
you know, he needed to know that he was doing every week. So I've got a, a little bit more of a random question, uh, just because he's one of my favorite players to ever play for the Albion. Kazenga Lawalawa, yeah. is, uh, is he still the is he still the fastest player you've ever seen over fifteen yards? Pa- yeah, powerful. Yes, it was scary. I don't know if you saw his legs. His uh, quads. Wow. Yeah, I uh, the good th- the good thing about Kazenga is a lovely mo- lovely boy. He got on well with everybody. Remember, he came from Newcastle to Brighton. Yep. Uh, he embraced the whole culture and the whole team understood perfectly his qualities, the group. So we use a law, you don't imagine how many times, and one of the key players for that was Gary Dicker, uh, that we will play and try to isolate Lua Lua without the opposition knowing. So the opposition was playing, following the ball, and our idea was. Let's keep it away from Kazenga and leave it in a position that when we play him, it's 1v1. Yeah. And when Kazenga was 1v1, you're done. We it, was, done. it was it. <laughs> we talk about this a lot because it's a weird... Pascal Gross has it now. I don't know if you've seen. He's got the slowest Cruyff turn anyone's ever seen in the world. But every player falls for it every time, even though they know what's coming, no one can defend against. What? That, what that was Kazenga comes to a standstill and you, you, everyone knows that he's going to go from naught to 100 miles an hour like that. But no one can defend. Listen, and on top of that, people saw only the, the outcome of his free kicks, okay? But people doesn't know how much we work with him because he's a shy guy. He's shy. He doesn't really want that responsibility of, for example, saying, I take a penalty. Imagine Kazinga taking a penalty. If he hits you in the chest, you're dead because of the power. <laughs> yeah? Now, he didn't like to take penalty like I didn't as a player. Okay? I was not a penalty taker. So for him to be able to take the free kicks that he scored so many for us, we work it about and we show him many, many times in training that he was very, very, very good on that. So then slowly he started saying, okay. And then one day we do the action. He scored at home, I think it's a winning goal. I think it's Bournemouth, if I don't remember wrong. And then he goes, I like that, you know? And then he goes, <laughs> and not only score from his gift direct, from touching, dribbling, scoring against Charlton, against Liverpool away. Against, he started embracing that. But that was a process. The mm-hmm. people that know all the work he was under, not only me, eh? Tano, Charlie, Gary Dicker, Elio Bene, everybody was trying to convince him Kazima, you are unbelievable shooting you got that power is unique we need to use it in benefit of the team it was like everybody was trying to get a free kick nearby for him to go and smash it obviously. and, and how much uh, how much yeah. did he how much did he scare you when he would do his backflips and gymnastics after every goal well we had a problem with one of the doctors at the end because they they told him not to do it okay and when he scored I think in the second year he scored a charton uh, he was coming towards us and, and I'm saying, no, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. Like <laughs> because, you know, we thought it was bad, but I think it's part of the game. Yeah, I think it's part of the trademark, isn't it? So I, I don't think it, it wouldn't, he probably done it a thousand times in his life. Yeah. He probably yeah. got injured once. I mean, the, the percentage is, it's, it's not worth it to stop it. And I think it was great. great and and the players, they enjoy, players were asking him to do it. 
Yeah, you want to see how <laughs> many you can do. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. as well, the way they connected with the fans and with the and with the team and and the staff, it was fantastic. He's actually he's hopefully coming on at the end of the of the season. We've been in been in touch with him on Twitter, so he's hopefully a, a few. You need you need to put it together with the Charlie Owen. Yeah, be the best as well. The best together. Yeah. The best podcast you're going to do in your life or the best interview you're going to do in your life. No doubt. <laughs> I'm going to ask you another potentially difficult question, which I'm going to ask Go you to pick your favourite moment from your time at the club. Um, probably, probably. Uh, okay, as you know, there's many. Okay, there is the... the, the, the the games, there is the, the relation with the player, the convincement, the, the first game at the Amex after so long. But I, I think the, the key moment for us is when, when we won the league, leaving Southampton behind. Did you, you probably saw, you'll have seen all the, the, the Nigel Atkins stuff, you know, the comments that he made. Yeah, yeah, yeah I saw it. But the, the problem was that, okay, we, we, we can live or keep only what he said that he did say. Mm. They can keep with us if Brighton can keep with us. That we show them that you know sometimes you need to be careful what you say because it can happen. But okay, that doesn't matter. For me, the, the key situation is their team and our team on paper and the football that we play and the football they play with those teams on paper. So that that is the the biggest moment proudness uh, as a coach that you can have because. The way that we perform and the way that the things that we've done with our uh, budget, with our squad, with our players, and when the players that they have, I mean, uh, it was something very unique. It, it, it wouldn't happen, you know, too many times, that kind of difference between two teams and, and the weakest team winning the league with the style that we've done. For me, if, if I'm you and I'm answering that question, I'm probably going those eight wins in a row in March. Well, that, that, that's interesting you say yeah. because I had in my mind for a reason. Somebody told me, a very good friend of mine, be careful, March, because biggest teams in the history of football lost the league during March. So I was thinking, okay, you know, concentration, blah, blah, blah. So then when I check, we go eight games. I'm thinking, you know, March is difficult on top of that, we go eight games. And then you go, bang, bang, bang. I mean, I remember Dagen and Revish, horrible. Yeah. Yeah, 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 one one nil. Yeah. That was the moment that you realize we're gonna be champions. Because yeah. it was bang, bang. And no, you don't do like a, no but wait, wait, you just say you don't do a five wins, two draws, a loss. You don't do a six no eight in a row. You, <laughs> know, you know, being being totally honest, what we were thinking, probably everybody does it, but nobody said, and I'm not worried. We were probably thinking about some hundred. Finishing the game, three points. Checking, Brighton, yeah. they won. Three days later, <laughs> winning the game, checking, Brighton, they won. You know, yeah. and I mean, you, then you realize that it's not in your hands. Yeah, because it depends on Brighton losing for you to be able to be champion. And because we never lost, uh, it was impossible for them to to get us. But it's nothing to do with the two clubs, it's nothing to do between the two managers, it's nothing about rivalry. It's just a matter of a, it was a big difference between the two clubs and the way that we achieved what we achieved. But yes, we were, let's we say that probably. Our way. 
basically is the look uh, for a manager as well as you know for you to be able to become a premiership manager you need to have moments in your career that people will see okay so our two games against Sunderland, against Newcastle sorry two years in the cup they are key for me that's the games that people say oh Brighton won in the cup when Newcastle is out Premier League one year and the next year Sunderland in the Premier League they were out of the cup that makes impact for the manager yeah but I think I had to go back to where the team was doing something as a team more unique that's what I, I pick uh, winning the league uh, in that year that it was it was so special I think on the other hand of things a lot of fans would want to know do you do you have any regrets from your time like are there any moments that you can look I back would, at I, I think I think this um, you know we will never be able to talk probably I don't know how we, law works in England how many years they need to go past when you have a a situation that we had of private confidential or no, because in reality it shouldn't be a private confidential when I go sacked. So it wouldn't be anything that I couldn't say, but I think it's a little bit of respect from both sides. Um, the, the, the club was to a point where, uh, this is my opinion, uh, I had too much power. I didn't ask for, I didn't ask, I promise you, I didn't ask for, but they slowly they were they were given to me and i took it because of my character obviously i took it because it's me and um, inside the the ballroom things that were changing and especially new people they were not liking someone with that power inside the club they can invent things they can say without respect for people is in bollocks. They can through rumors. They can, you know, I, I'm not a social media guy. I don't have uh, Twitter or, or Instagram or nothing. So anything you see in there with my name is not me. Okay, I can tell you officially. The only thing is me is a web page with my name, gustavoboye.com. The rest is not me. Now the the people start talking lies about why, why I left the club, that hurt me a lot. But unfortunately, gentlemen, we're living in a world that if you have a Twitter and you put a lie, and you say in that lie that you know people close to me or close to the staff or close to the chairman or close to me, and you repeat it and repeat it and repeat it, people, unfortunately, believe that. You know? Uh, I would love to be able to tell you the five points, four points, four points, wrote in, wrote in my sucking letter. We're not going to put you in that position, don't worry. <laughs> listen, listen, <laughs> listen. I would love to because I will let you without words. You will say, seriously? Now, that's football and it's part of football. You, you, you can get sucked from your job for different reasons that people believe that you, they are suckable offenses. And in the other side, they will say they are not suckable offenses. Now, the truth, me, with my honesty, yes, probably I had too much power. And I accept that. But like I said, I, I didn't ask for You were like kind of earning it uh, slowly. And, and, the, and the chairman was giving it to me. If we, and yeah, I, I respect the answer totally. If we talk about 
the playoff second leg, which is obviously yeah. where things, I think, I'm, it's not unfair to say that probably everything that could have gone wrong with that game. Well, in that game, yeah, yeah by football. I, I mean, it, it, at the moment, it hurt a lot. As you can imagine, I didn't sleep that night. Uh, I was really hurt. But uh, after the first leg, we were so confident that we were, you know, get through. And, and that's, that's things that happen in football and you learn. Yeah, I mean, this is just to lighten the mood slightly. That that game, and this is a personal thing, that game was the first game in the history of the Amex that I, that I didn't sit in my normal seat. Well, maybe you were the, maybe you were the gym. Me, it was his fault. Listen, you know, so so many things that happened that day that I didn't work for football. Forget yeah. about all the stupid things. But it was you know, people are trying I mean, to say have, like the the whole trying to say these these things that they use. Oh, the clacker! Yeah, yeah. Oh, don't yeah, all of that. Listen, we lost because we didn't perform. Bottom line, I repeat, people listening, listen. Don't take any things that you are not listening. We lost because we didn't perform. Bottom line. Now, if you go to analyze the whole process, you can think. Okay, maybe we got a little bit of overconfidence because of the first leg. Maybe we thought, oh, now we go back and we, you know, it's going to be easier. Uh, maybe why we put those clappers? Why? When we never had it? Did you ask me? If I had so much power, did you ask me? No, you didn't. Uh, there is so many things we can talk about. But the reality, the truth, is that we love because we didn't perform. And people doesn't like that. When you talk about the other things I just told you, oh, it's excuses. Listen to me. We lost because we didn't perform. Don't try to put anything on me because I can give you a hundred, okay? Now, unfortunately, things happen. We talked to the club. We didn't agree. We were planning the following pre-season and the following season. And we go with all this disciplinary hearing, which mm -hmm. was a great experience, I have to say. It's funny, but a great experience. I hope you will never have a disciplinary hearing in your job because it's so funny. You get accused and judged by the same people, which is so funny. I mean, <laughs> imagine, you know, like I accuse you now of something and I'm going to be the one judging you. Like, you yeah, yeah. That's the way it works. Uh, and the good thing about that, I have it with me. Minute by minute, word by word, answer by answer. But everybody was a disciplinary hearing by writing, official, okay? And I know why it went on. So that's what I said to you. That worked. And the club was going in one direction. I had too much power. I couldn't be the future of the club with that power. And somebody didn't like it. And get out. To that extent, do you think even if let's say we win, let's say we win the Crystal Palace game? Yes. Let's say we go to Wembley. Yes. Let's say we go to the Premier League. I was at the club the following season against that person that used that as a perfect situation for me not to be there. So do you think you... So what, what I'm taking, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is what I'm taking, is that the two of you were kind of on a collision course. And no, you were, no, no, no. No, no. Do you think I, it would have been fine then? No, no, he will need to shut up. Okay. Simple as that. Because <laughs> for the, Yes, because in football... I'm not because you, you, I'm not because you got us to the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Now, now, yeah. now, five months later, you are in the bottom five. Maybe you get sacked. Yeah. Because that's the chance. Soon. It was a matter of time. Okay? Uh, the difference is uh, 
I left, I had three year contract. Three year contract. I didn't get a penny. Careful, eh? I needed to go to court. I had right. a chance to take it to court. Yeah. Uh, then take into FIFA because in court in England you can only get I think seventy thousand a year and I was earning more than seventy thousand. Uh, and then you needed to go to UEFA Premier League and you know what? Just move on. The, 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 you know people people close to to the club they were accusing me that I was trying to live because I had a job. Did I? Did I have a job? Well, I went through June, July, August, and in September I got a job in the Premier League because Sunderland was bought on a, or they knew already in June that in September Sunderland will be with one point from seven games. I didn't have nothing. I was just trying to make sure that we, we were keep going in the same direction that Mr. Tony Bloom and me, we set up four years earlier, which it was extraordinary. Absolutely fantastic. The relationship and the way we work it together, there is no better at Brighton in the history. Listen, and I'm a big admirer of Dick Knight, eh? yeah. big admirer, okay? But I don't think that you can have a better working relationship that I have with Tony Blue. Whatever they say, okay? Because it was perfect. When he- two people understand the game and the, and the goals and how you're going to achieve those goals in the same way. And one got the ability, we can say, or the personality, me, and the other side, the ability to see and the money, obviously. When that gets together, the outcome So is- I, guess, I guess the question we've had asked on Twitter a lot, and this is, this is going to be a funny one given all that you've just said, but I want to ask it anyway. If, uh, if, if consequences were, or you know, whatever happened in the future happened, and Tony gave you a bell, in like two years' time, and was like, Gus, I'd like you to come in and have a conversation. But I have, I have never, I have never had a problem with Tony. Never. And I was going to say now, if you see, if you walk, if you see Tony, Blue, I was, I was Chelsea, Brighton, at Stamford Bridge, and the director box, main director box. Yeah. I was invited by Chelsea, obviously, yeah, yeah. because Brighton never invited me, you know, once to to the Amex, <laughs> which is show you, and I shake hands with yeah. everybody. With people that like and people that don't like. I shake hands anyway because I respect people. I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Sometimes you shouldn't shake hands to people because maybe you show them what they are. But I've got a problem because I, I'm above that. The problem, the difference is that I'm telling you. I know that people don't tell you. And it was no confrontations, no bad words. There was no, like, uh, uh, you know... It was, it was, no, it was just a matter of understanding what we were doing. Different directions. But listen, different direction. Come, talk. We sit down. I sit down with them, I told you, the day after the palace. Mm-hmm. I said to them, listen. Mm, yeah, because I remember there's, is, there's a kind of interview that you did in the aftermath of the palace game, which I think a lot of fans talk about, which is I think you referenced the, the ceiling, the glass ceiling. I yeah, think but the, is, listen, thank you, thank you. This is very important. Uh, a reporter asked you in a press conference, Gus, do you think you hit the ceiling? And what do you answer? I said, well, uh, so the guy said, are you going to talk to the chairman about if you hit the ceiling? I said, yeah, of course I'm going to talk to the chairman. I talk every summer with the chairman. So it's, it's going to be a good question to ask if we hit the ceiling, if we're going to keep growing up, or that's it. You wouldn't ask if you were a manager? 
I would ask. You got it. Now, no. now that means that means that we hit the ceiling. That means that you're gonna go. But if the answer is like I had four years, four summers before, no, we keep growing up. Now, if the answer is yes, we hit the ceiling. Let's think about it. Okay, are we gonna tell the fans that we hit the ceiling? No, obviously not. Yeah. It's difficult. I mean, so wait, 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 wait. Don't ask me to, uh, to tell them that we didn't. That's right. the problem. That, you understand the little problem? Yeah, yeah. We hit the ceiling. And I don't think we in this Brighton hit the ceiling, did it? No. Well, maybe they got Garcia, okay? Ex-Barcelona player, who done very well. He nearly went up. He lost in the, like me. Then they go, wow, that maybe, was a mistake yeah. after. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. And then they go Chris Hilton, which put him in the Premiership. So definitely the club didn't hit the ceiling. So where, where is the problem? Where is the issue? How you can transform a, tra- a conference in something negative? Uh, wh- wh- why? My my take on it is yeah. I think that from a fan's point of view, I think the fact that it was Crystal Palace. And the emotion, oh, no doubt, no doubt. With that, no doubt. I think no if it had been, if you'd have been in Oscar Garcia's position and you'd have lost to Derby in the playoffs as he did, I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying none of what. Well, the people at the club that didn't want me at the club, they were there. It didn't matter the the the, the position. Yeah, I'm, I'm for not the fun for that. the fun. No, because <laughs> the the opportunity with Palace is great because that helped those yeah, people yeah, it was the ammunition basically ammunition but what i'm what i say to you is that which is which is a shame is that we build something you know um i, I know that i'm not going to say the words because i got a letter from the fa and i don't want to have another one because of your interview but for a manager <laughs> for a manager to have a group of supporters making a song singing a peterborough from peterborough on what they were thinking about your team yeah, it's something spectacular. Yeah, I don't think I don't I don't think they can do it. I don't think they were able to do it anymore. Even no. if it stays there, even if it was maintained for six months, because it was not that connection, passion, understanding, identity, recognition, uh, willing to travel to see your team away from home, playing against top oppositions and playing face to face. So many things that were happening. And then it's coming the song. We are brilliant, okay? Yeah. Whatever you say in the middle. Uh, now, <laughs> obviously, that created something that when it broke, now people need to believe in something. Now, it like, I'm going to tell you something really, really exaggerated for you to understand. It's like parents getting divorced and a kid living with one of the two constantly. And that person telling that kid, everything is bad about the other parent. I'm not talking about father or mother. Eh? I'm talking about parents. One, so when this person tells this kid, everything is bad about that one, naturally the kid will believe the person is living with it. You understand what I mean? Yep. Yeah. No, totally. Because I didn't talk for 10 years. The only way for you to believe as a Brighton fan is to believe the part is talking. And the part is talking is all 
bollocks because it's not <laughs> truth in it. So at the end, people got into, yeah, he said this, yeah, he said that, yeah, he didn't want that, yeah, he's apparently he did this, oh, yeah, it's true, and all, all bollocks. A month and a half before the end of the season, Reading came for me. I think you know that. Yeah. Okay? And they agree compensation. How you take that? As a club which is in the top six in the championship, with a month and a half to go, yeah? And your club agree compensation with another club for you to go. So you're free to talk to the other team. To me, yeah, that feels that's a kind of managed exit, isn't it? Now, did I say that? I came out and I said, <laughs> I'm going to leave because Brighton agreed price for me to go to Reading. I didn't. And I, I, I have feelings as well. You know, it was so funny because when they called me on Monday morning, international break, to say to me, uh, Reading got in contact for, with us for, you know, to talk about you. I said, okay, do you want to talk to them? I, I, I'm quite ahead of things, okay? I said to the club, if you agree compensation, then we see. And when the club called me and said, we agree compensation, naturally, I'm sorry if you are different than me, you think you can go. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind naturally. of... Naturally. I'm not saying that yeah. you won, but yeah. naturally it makes you think because they can ask 20 million. Yeah, exactly. They could have said, well, they could have said, yeah, 50. Or no, we don't give you permission. Yeah, I can yeah. see your point. From your point of view, you're... No, wait, wait, wait. I talked to them. They offered me a contract. Bigger. Okay? With all the consequences if the rating was going down because it was in a bad situation in the Premier League. Okay? At the end, they went down. With a bigger contract in the Championship to try to come back to the Premier League. And I decline it. I say no. And I believe, it might believe, that that went against me. Mm. I know it's a contradiction. But seeing like I was going, the club agreeing price with somebody else, and now you say no? What is going on with you? You know, are you mad? Yeah. Right. No, no. Because I use common sense and I prefer to stay in a club that I got a great possibility to go to the premiership, that you go to a club that I got great possibility to go to the championship. And I guess from your point of view, what that says, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm I'm yeah. kind of paraphrasing. What that says is you almost want you want the club to fight harder to keep you. Well, it's not fight hard, you know, fight harder. Um, uh, I, I, call, call Liverpool today. And tell Liverpool, do we have permission to talk to Klopp? What um, Liverpool would say? <laughs> do you tell me what Liverpool would say? Yeah. To any club in the world, no, you've got no permission. Yeah. He's our manager and he's going nowhere. And then you wait for the manager to, if you then want to go behind the scenes, then you might say, actually, Thank you. Oh, Look, that's I what shake, I would like to I know, do. I, I know we cannot shake hands, but I'm shaking hands with you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, because it's not difficult. Now, the problem is that, as you imagine, Come on, let's not be naive because I don't want people to be listening to us and say, ah, you're not telling us the truth. No. Already, there were things happening inside the club. Those things I was telling you about my power, 
about what I was in charge, what I was managing, how we were doing things, that they were changing slowly. So it was coming a, a, a situation where it was uncomfortable. But that doesn't mean I wanted to go, as I showed there. Now, it's incredible that you show loyalty, and that goes against you. Mm. Because they always got an excuse. Yeah, he didn't go because of that. I'm, I'm still having the contract already offered me, okay? Uh, and I got the picture. You know when I say no to them? That was international break. I left Brighton one day before the players because of this situation with Reading. So let's say that we were training on Wednesday or Thursday and the weekend off. And I asked Tariko to keep the team and, and Charlie. And I flew on Friday, on Wednesday to Barbados to get away from England. Okay? I was walking on the beach on Barbados, talking to Reading, telling Reading, no, I'm staying. I got exactly the picture where I was when I told them no. And then I called the club and I said to the club, I'm staying. Okay. And they said, okay. That's it. So it's incredible that, for, you know, when I said to you in the beginning, you can see the thing from two points of view. Yep. And both could think that they're right. Now, I've got the ability to put myself in your situation. I do. It's natural on me. When I call a player, I put myself on the player position. I put my, play, my situation on Alan Navarro injured. I put my, myself in the situation of Tommy Elphick injured. I put myself in Tommy Elphick when he's, he got the opportunity to go to Bournemouth. And with us, yes, it was a chance for him to play, but no week in, week out for different reasons. And maybe it's a great opportunity for him to go. And we agree that the best for him is to go for everybody, obviously, for the club as well. So there is so many things I put myself in your position. Now, the problem is when the other people doesn't put themselves in yours. Yeah. So it becomes impossible to agree on something. I mean, I think th this is interesting. I think this will be interesting for everyone because, as we've said, this is the first time we've heard mm. from... And without telling anything. Yeah, I know, I know. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Without being I mean, able to go into details. To be, fair, yeah. to be fair to the club as well, I think they've, they've said very little. So I think the problem is that when both sides don't say much, everyone invents what's in the middle. Like, you know, when, when, when neither side... Yeah, but, but the problem is it becomes true. Right. The yeah. rumours keep going and keep going and keep going until rumours become fact. I mean, that was why, you know, obviously we're, you know, Josh and I are aware, everyone's aware of, you know, how controversial it was, which is why we didn't want to necessarily put you... In a, in a difficult position. But at the same time, we thought it's going to be useful for people. And you've been very honest. We expect you to be very, very honest. It's very useful for people to actually hear directly from you. Thank you. And like you said, they can then, people can make up their minds once they know. Now, now the, the, the funny situation is that you asked me, Brighton is the best time of my career as a coach. I got great memories. I thought we created something special. And they never, ever invite me to the club. Never. So if I got a problem? I got a problem? Call, I got a problem? I mean, would, if, you, if you get a phone call, and obviously no, there's no one in grounds at the moment, but let's say next it would be, be It would be a shame. Uh, you have to be really ashamed. You personally, now because of this conversation, to call someone. Yeah, I know. If, you, if, if you don't want it, don't want it. I, I talk to, like I said to you, I talk to people at Chelsea, I talk to people at Spurs, I talk to people about Sunderland. I'm in contact with ex-players from Brighton, hundreds. I mean, from Brighton. 
I don't want to go through all the places I'm in contact, but I mean, it's, it's incredible. I, I'm in contact with the, with the people from Bordeaux. I mean, people who work at the club, okay? I'm not in contact with one single person, a writer. No one. It's like, a, uh, like you say, you've been erased. Yeah, it's like asthma. Yeah. And I think it's unfair because I'm going to make an example. People can talk about Swansea, many, many <coughs> things, okay? Many things. But one thing for sure in my world is that everything started with Roberto Martinez, okay? The identity of Swansea, how they, they go better and better and better. Now, yep. to try to erase what the players that were with me, they started and we started together, I think it's not fair. And I, I think it's childish. We can call it. Yeah, and I think that I think that the overriding opinion of both myself and Robin is that you know without you we wouldn't be in the Premier League right now. You you are the person that began that legacy, that mentality at the club, that foundation that all the other managers who are all great. Oscar Garcia was fantastic. Chris Hutton is you know a legend, um, but they they came into a foundation that you built and they continue to build upon it so listen it that, does... that, that's yes I, I agree with you that you want that recognition but listen me the way i am i would like the, that to be recognized with uh with michelle quippers with uh glenn murray with right daddy dicker with alan navarro with adam elav with tommy elfie and then we can go to the new one, to Calderon, and the one that started coming. I mean, I, I'm not going to name all of them, but it was all a process that put Brighton in a position definitely 100% better for them to make the last step. That it took a little bit longer than what we expected. I think it was coming. You know, you know when you had that feeling? I don't know if you had that feeling, but I had that feeling. Sooner or later, Brighton is going to be in the premiership. When yeah. I left the club. Then the year after, they couldn't be, the year after, and then you're in the premiership because you have to, because all the bases, all the things that you need, the platform to be there, they are set, they are set up. Listen, because of us and because of Tony Bloom. And I guess the one I said big it question five I want to times already. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, because people think that, oh, yeah, no, I'm not blaming anyone. Did you, did you when, when the club finally got promoted to the Premier League, did you personally feel a degree of affection or satisfaction because you yeah, thought... No, no, I was, I, was, I was happy. I was happy because it's people there. It was Danke there. It was Bruno there. It was Casper there. Casper Anke, you know, he was there in the, in the squad. I mean, uh, I know Chris Hutton. He was my coach at Spurs my last year yeah. of, of football. So it was so many things that they were involved in that. Uh, did I get a phone call from anyone to make an opinion? Like you say, it's a race. It's like gone. It's never been there. It's done nothing. Okay, fair enough. That, that I think, is, is, is a little bit of work. That doesn't happen naturally. That's my opinion. That yeah. someone created that or done something to produce that, no, I don't know how you say it, forgiveness. Like, yeah. you don't exist. I mean, so I guess one player that we haven't touched on yet, and I think just as we begin to kind of wrap up the, yeah. the conversation, Glenn Murray. Um, Glenn how Murray. do you, were you surprised to see Glenn go on and do what he did? That's another point that has been a little bit of contradiction because too many people blame me for Glenn to leave uh, the club. 
uh, which I, I'm gonna put it very clear, uh, and I'm gonna try not to uh, be unrespectful to anything private, okay? Yeah. Uh, and I got, like you say, I got 6% of battery in my laptop, so we need to go up. Uh, Glenn had an incredible offer, okay? Nearly double, nearly, not double, nearly double. Uh, we were able to pay 60%, of what uh, Palace was able to play, pay him, okay? In a moment in his career, it was very important. And that was put to him clearly and plain. And he needed to make a decision family ways, okay? And that decision took him to play in the Premier League and to be the player he is, with, in top of that, the possibility of coming back to Brighton, which that's incredible. Because yep. when he left for Palace, you will expect him not to come back to Brighton. Okay? Agreed. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he came back, which shows that everything that happened, that decision for him, I'm talking about for Glenn Murray, for me, was correct. Now, everything that you can say in the middle, that we offer him the same money, that it was me that you didn't want to offer the money, is so many lies that they scare me, okay? Because it's simple. It's a, it's a life decision. And when people play with the money of somebody else's, I don't like it. Okay? He needed to make a decision. We offered him the match that we could based on our budget and the relationship I have with the chairman. And that was it. And he left. Okay? Left. Now, I don't think you have to have any regrets. Any regrets because it's life. And that things that happen in football. And I'm pleased that he's back now in one of the voices and I start playing, you know, talking on the sky. I'm being a partner, which if you tell me when he was in my team, I would say to you, he got no chance <laughs> because he was so special in everything he done. I'm pleased for him. He grow up. He become a, you know, a person with an opinion, which is fantastic. And he's giving Brighton something that they need because, you know, people really love him. So it's nothing more than what happened in with the Glenn Murray leaving the football club. And if somebody says something different, call me and I'll tell you a little bit more. They will challenge me to go into private things, which I, I would prefer not to start with. Okay. <laughs> uh, fair enough. And I think that, that brings us to a fairly natural conclusion. And I think for us, it's been, for Josh and I, cars on the table. <laughs> we love that season, the League One season. We talk about it all the time. So to get you on purely from that point of view has, has been a privilege. So thank you very much. But yeah, I think I hope you also know that it's been a good good opportunity for you to perhaps not write a few wrongs, but maybe fill in the gaps that fans might not know or might have been guessing. So I say I hope it's been useful Bro, for you to have the, the chance to be able to. I, I, I have to thank you for many reasons. One, because you are the first one. Okay, and it's a step. So well done. <laughs> Secondly, because even if you ask the question that you have to which I like, so people can understand that this was not a setup. We didn't try to avoid any kind of problematic questions. Sorry that I couldn't get into details because, as you know, there is certain things that I cannot say. Absolutely. But without going into little details, I think I explained myself and my feelings and sentiments for Brighton, which I don't know why people is trying to change them without me making an opinion. It's like saying, oh, do you like Brighton? Yes, why? No, because if, if I didn't say the opposite, why, why people put in my, in my mouth things I didn't even think about? 
95 99% of your time Thank you. positive one you know the end no but the, that doesn't that doesn't remove the 99 uh, i think that's the key i think it's a good uh, uh, to finish like that i think it's fantastic not because of one game against the biggest rivals you need to er- erase yeah. the four previous seasons i think that would be very unfair i well, agree thank you very much gus thank yeah. you sir it has been two, two programs you go <laughs> it has been an absolute pleasure gus you are you. still an absolute legend to me so thank you so much and yeah and uh, hope you're we forgot to say but you know hope you're coping with uh with lockdown and all of that stuff and everything fine like, just trying to watch football now that we're back um, where are you where are you now in london, in the UK? london. oh you're in london okay awesome. i was, london for I was curious. going but always coming back to london well, okay, maybe, right. you know, we hope that perhaps we one day we can see you at the Amex, you know, in some sometime in the future. But thank you very much. Cheers. Yeah, thank see you. Boys. Ciao, ciao. Have a good one. Bye. Ciao.